0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. So good to see you all, and so good to see you ones that are out there that can't be here this morning. We're so glad. We're so glad to be in church. The corporate anointing, the presence of God. You know, I, I know that that we're anointed because the Holy Ghost in us. Everywhere we go, but I think about Mrs. Pastor and a word the Lord gave her a while back about, about a fire. How many have ever seen a fire in a fireplace or a campfire? When it starts to go out, little embers are left over. And you put all those embers together and stir them up, the flame comes back. And so I think about all of us, we've, we've got, we've got the anointing of the Holy Ghost in us, but we come together. Our flame gets brighter, our flame gets bigger, and we get lit up all over again when we're all hot again for Jesus, which we are anyway. But that's what we need in this world we live in today. We need to be hot for Jesus. Amen. Amen. Matter, matter of fact, Jesus said in the book of Revelation, uh, He doesn't want us lukewarm. He wants us hot. He wants us cold. But lukewarm just means that you think everything's okay and you don't need anything else. Well, if you're cold... And you know you're cold, you know you need help. But if you're lukewarm, you're just a religious person, thinks you got it all together, and you don't need anything, everything's fine, and you just keep your mouth shut and keep your religion to yourself, which that's a good place to keep religion to yourself anyway. Because Christianity, Jesus, is not a religion, he's a family. That's why we're called the family of God, amen? Not the religious bunch, but the family of God. And I I think about an example about that lukewarm business. Uh, Dr. Barclay, our pastors use this a lot of times, and we have to understand this, so this, this is kind of a check up the neck up to see where you are. Well, lukewarm means this. If you've got a really hot, hot, hot cup of coffee, it's so hot, you can't hardly hold the cup, and you set it down and ignore it for a while, it'll start cooling it off to where it becomes room temperature. Whatever the temperature is, that's what the coffee is now. It's not hot anymore. But at the same time, if you've got, if you've got a A glass full of ice, of iced tea, or your favorite cola, or whatever it is you drink, and it's really, really cold, and you set it down, it'll start warming up, it becomes room temperature, where it doesn't, it's not cold anymore. And so, Jesus wants us to be hot for Him. Not lukewarm, we're just the temperature of the society around us. Right now, society around us has a temperature we don't want to be. We want to be the ones that light things back up and get things hot for God in our country. Amen. And so that's what we want to do today. Amen. Well, well Pastor Dave, you can clap if you want to. You're a leader. They'll follow. <laughs> Amen. How many have your Bible today or something you're going to look at the Word of God with? Well, hold it up and let's talk about it. This is really, really a good thing to always remember, remind ourselves what we have in our hand. This is not a newspaper. This is not an email. This is not some novel to read. Say this to me. Say, this is my Bible. This is the holy written Word of God. Say it like you mean say, this is the holy written Word of God. This is given to me by God my Father to reveal to me the living Word. His Son and my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the living Word. I am everything that my Bible says I am. I can have everything that my Bible says I can have. And I can do everything that my Bible says I can do. I'm a believer, not a doubter. I believe my Bible. And this morning, I'm going to stay alert. I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to receive, and then I'm going to live the Word of God that I hear today. Amen, amen, amen. I'll tell you what, I like interaction so much that we can't do right now. But look at somebody and give them an air high five. Amen, amen, amen. There's other people here who just kind of spread out a little bit. And happy Father's Day to everybody's watching out there. Happy Father's Day to the dads and the granddads that are in here. And the ones that are going to be someday. And today we're going to talk about what is a man of God. And I'll ask the same thing I did in the first service. Does everybody have their outline? No, we don't have our outline because we can't do that yet. But we'll have servant outlines again real soon. And we'll be able to write notes on and fill in the blanks and look at those things and stay hooked up with that. But I want you to look at Second Kings chapter 4 verse 9. Somebody got a sick dog in here? Man, it sounds like my dog Charlie, but he's not feeling good. (laughs) Okay. Second Kings chapter four, verse nine. It is so good to be in church. I can't say that enough. To be around the corporate anointing, see all these smiling faces that aren't just smiling on Facebook. They're smiling actually right here. But we're talking about what is a man of God at second Kings chapter four, verse nine. This is the Shunammite Roman. And then this is when she, when, when she first met Elisha the prophet. he became a part of her life. And verse 9 says, She said unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive this is a holy man of God. said, I perceive this is a holy man of God which passes by us continually. So at this point in time, she had no interaction with him. She just saw him coming into her community, into her region, and she picked up on the fact, this is a holy man of God. If there's ever a time this world needs to see and know and have in their presence, it's a time for holy men and holy women of God to be on the scene. How many know there's enough unholy people out there right now that need God? And we, we are, we, we are, we are God carriers. We're gospel carriers. Because when we get born again, Jesus moves into our spirit, into our heart, and we become brand new creatures in Christ. And and how many know the word anointing in the Bible? Anybody ever heard of the word anointing? Well, what 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 one meaning of the word anointing is the presence of Jesus? And how many know in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when Jesus showed up, the presence of God showed up? How many here in this in this service today are born again Christians? And Jesus lives in your heart. Well, do you know that means then that when you show up around troubled people, when you show up around people that need answers, need help, the presence of God shows up? And if you're truly living for Jesus, if you're not a phony Christian, sometimes part-time Christians, if you're a full-time Christian, in other words, that means you're, you're a man or a woman, They were talking to men especially because God wants you to be the leaders of your family. But if you show up, then people should perceive. Well, that man Troy just walked in here and I perceive Troy as a holy man of God. They should perceive that. And why should they pick up on that? Because when you show up, whether they like you or not, whether they agree with your politics or not, makes no difference. They should say, you know what, when Hannah showed up, She just made me feel good. And she made him feel good because the presence of Jesus with her makes her a holy woman of God. And today we're talking about what is a man of God. Because if there's ever a time, I want to say that again, if there's ever a time, this world needs to have holy men, holy women of God. But we're talking about the men today. It is now. What the world needs right now is answers. And there's only one answer, one name. That's going to help them. What's that name? Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. But there's so many phony hypocrites and part-time Christians around that all they've heard for years is people just blowing smoke. But now they need to know somebody that they perceive this is a holy man of God. I would ask Raul the answers to what's going on right now. And Raul will say, I've got the answers you think for asking me. And they're going to say, I knew you as a Christian. I knew as a man of God, you'd have the answers. Amen? And so that's what we're talking about. And so anyway, even today, in 21st century America, when a believer that is serious in his walk with Jesus, he will catch people's attention. Not because they're always talking the talk, but because they walk the walk. Amen? When you're a Christian that walks the walk... Then people don't have to hear what you've got to say. You have to be bragging on who you are. They're going to say, there's something different about this man. I need to hear what he's got to say. And you know, we're talking about your families today. Your family will listen to you. If you're a holy man of God. And so walking a good walk means you do your best every day. Every day, do your best to keep a good conscience with Jesus and obey the golden rule. You need to do unto others. You have others do unto you. And when you do that, people are going to know you by your love. You know, I think about what Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. John 13, verse 34 and 35. Jesus said, I'm going to give you a new kind of love. A love that will live with inside of you. He said, not as the world loves, but as I love you. He said, the world, how many know right now the world is watching they're watching on social media. They're watching on cable news. They're watching everything going on. But I'll tell you what, there ought to be some Christians out there they can watch right now. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples because you have love one for another. You have love one for another. If Christians today doesn't make it what race they are, what politics they are, if Christians will start treating their brothers and sisters in Christ like Christians should treat Christians, we'll get the attention of the whole country. You know, you know, the world right now is just watching a lot of things burn, a lot of fires everywhere. Well, if we're on fire for Jesus, the Bible talks about they were baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire. In the book of Acts says tongues of fire set on each one's heads. If we as Christians We'll start walking this love of God, and that fire sits on our heads. Not the fire set out there by rioters, but the fire by the Holy Ghost. On our heads, they'll come just to watch us burn. But you know what? Like those three children in the fiery furnace, the three Hebrew children, they were in the fire, but they didn't burn. And they came out of the fire, they got the attention of the whole nation. And King Nebuchadnezzar changed the laws to say this nation is going to follow after their God. Because their God is powerful. Their God puts out fires and their God protects them through the fires. And so if we as Christians will purpose to do what the Bible says do, we're going to look at today. Come up to God's standard that people see us. They're going to say, like I know my son Josh. He, he, he works long distance on the telephone internet, the job he's got. But the people he interacts with, they're going to say, are you a Christian? I just know you've got to be a Christian because I can tell by the way you communicate, you're a holy man of God. And he's going to say yes. And not because he bragged to them about who he is, because they perceived by how he behaves himself. This is a holy man of God. And he's going to be able to have long distance influence on people. Because he's a holy man of God. And so this woman said to her husband, I perceive this is a holy man of God. Now, I want you to go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 16 and verse 17. And we're talking about what is a holy man of God. And let me ask you this. How many men in here believe you're a holy man of God? Raise your hand and be bold if you believe that. Amen. How many of you women want a holy man of God in your life? Well, we're going to look at things and, you know, I think about the young ones that are are believing God for husbands, things like that. I always told my daughters what to look for. I tell my granddaughters what to look for in a holy man of God. We see things in the Bible. It shows the kind of man you want. You don't want a wimp. You want a leader. You don't want a dictator in your house. You want a loving leader that leads you in love and leads you in faith. And, you know, I can go to my husband. And he's going to give me godly counsel, show me what to do. And you know, I think about Adam and Eve. You don't want a, you don't want a husband to love you like Adam loved Eve. Amen. The demon come, the devil come and talk to Eve and Adam stood there and did nothing. You want a husband that will love you as Christ loves the church. Amen. You want a husband that'll do what Jesus did, say, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall make means hurt you. What you bind on earth is bound in heaven. What you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. And I'm here to help you. I'm here to protect you. And I will do my part. That's the husband you want. You don't want a husband like Adam stand back there and Adam just say, go ahead, listen to the snake. He wasn't a good husband. And, you know, I think about what Pastor Dave said a while ago. I didn't get a chance to tell a joke. But I tell a joke that it might be a joke. Or it might have really happened. Who knows? You know, everything that happened in people's lives wasn't written in the Bible. Just lots of it was, but not everything. But I, I heard that when Adam got kicked out of the garden, Adam and Eve, he stood with his two sons on the other side of the river looking back. He said, boys... That's where we used to live before mom made us out of house and home. <laughs> well, I didn't go over very big the first service either, so we'll get rid of that, but we'll stick with the Bible. <laughs> okay. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. As we get back there again in my Bible. Okay, it says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. That means teaching for reproof. That means proofreading your life. When you read the Bible, it'll proofread your life, how you're doing and show you what to do. So you can make correction for instruction in righteousness. That means how to live right, how a holy man, holy woman of God should live instruction in right living that the man of God. What are we talking about today? What is a man of God? The Bible talks very frequently about a man of God. That the man of God may be perfect. That word perfect means complete or mature. That means to grow up and quit being a wimp. To grow up and quit being double-minded. To grow up and quit being a crowd-pleaser. Start being a Jesus-pleaser. I'll tell you what. Uh, if I If I were a sheep... Sitting out there and I had a man of God up here. I'd want to have a man up there that I knew said what was biblically correct, even if it was not politically correct. Politically correctness will destroy you. Biblically correctness will give you life and show you how to win in life. Amen. And so that's what he says. As the man of God may be mature, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And I want to say this. This book is referring to preachers, but not preachers only. This book, is; these words are referring to believers, all believers. God wants all believers to be furnished or equipped for all good works. God wants us to do good works. And you know, a lot of times people get tripped up about the word works. We don't get saved by good works. But after we're saved, the Holy Spirit in us wants us to do good works. Amen. Good works don't get you to heaven. But when you get heaven in your heart, you want to do good things. You want to help people in life. Amen. And so it says right here that the Word of God will show us how to live right. It'll correct our wrong thinking. It'll show us what to do. And what's the purpose of all that it says? To do good works. God wants us to do things to help people in life end up coming to Jesus. And so anyway, every, every believer should live up to the standards of God's word they set in place if you want to live as a man of God. I want to ask this again. How many want to live as a man of God? Want to be the man of God God called you to be? Let well, us say these words. Say, I will be the man of God that God's ordained I should be. And you know, we gotta somehow get the ladies involved, some kind of confession or something. They sit there feeling left out right now. We don't want it to be that way. So ladies say this, I will pray for the men in my life to be all that God's called them to be. I will support, I will support, not financially, but spiritually, the men in my life. Because I want strong men of God to be in my realm of influence. Amen. Now give the Lord a hand. And I want to look at a very, very influential man of God in the Bible and see some of his qualities. I want you to look at James chapter 2. James chapter 2. And we're going to look at verse 23. James chapter 2, verse 23. And for your notes, write down uh, verse 14 to 26. James 2, verse 14 to 26. We're We're not going to read all those verses. We're going to look at verse 23. But those verses talk about Abraham. And talk about the fact that Abraham did works for God. And God called that believing. But that word works there. To better understand that, I know in other translations... It used the phrase corresponding actions, corresponding actions. You don't get saved by just believing. You get saved by corresponding actions. When you hear the word of God, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You hear the word of God about Jesus died for your sins. And that gives you faith to get saved. But you don't get saved until you open your mouth. And you say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God come into my heart, be my Savior, forgive me my sins. And then you make a 180-degree turnaround, and you walk away from sin and wrongdoing, and you start walking the ways of righteousness and doing right, and you make a change. Corresponding actions are a major part of faith. Amen. And so we're talking about a very influential spiritual leader in the Bible, Abraham. And so this whole chapter talks about, Works, But it's called Corresponding Action. So verse 23 then says this. The scripture was fulfilled which said Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him, accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. He was called the friend of God. Think about that. Who do you think called Abraham his friend? God did. You know, the Bible talks about enemies of God, and the Bible talks about friends of God. And it says that God himself said, Abraham is my friend. Abraham is my friend. And so when you're walking the walk, you don't have to toot your own horn. You don't have to brag to your family or circle of friends. I'm a man of God. You better do what I say, because I'm a man of God. When you're a man of God, God will announce to the people. He'll speak to their hearts. I think about my wife, think about my family. Over the years, I haven't been a perfect person, but I've always tried to be. My family saw me be a person that doesn't just come to church and tell people to read the Bible and pray. My wife, my children, grew up watching me read my Bible and pray. I didn't brag about, hey, I'm reading my Bible. I didn't b- read my Bible just to get points with God or put on a show for my family. I read my Bible because what I just had you do a while ago, I knew the Bible was God talking to me. I knew the Bible would correct me. I knew the Bible would tell me how to lead my family. I knew the Bible would tell me how to feed my family. I knew the Bible would tell me... How to get my family healed if they need healed. I knew the Bible would tell me how to protect my family from all the different things going on in the world today. And so my family knew I was a friend of God. Amen. Not because I told them I'm a friend of God. They saw God walk with me. me walk with God every day. Men, that's what we're talking about. What is a man of God? God wants us to come up higher. God wants us to come up higher. Nobody, nobody has arrived yet. I think about the apostle Paul, Paul in Philippians chapter three. He was another great man of God. Paul said, not as though I've already arrived. He said, I haven't. He said, I'm continually pressing towards the goal. And you know, I want to tell you, I want to tell you this. I heard a pastor say this years ago and I know it's so. You're never going to hit the goal because every time you grow, God's going to move the goalpost. Amen. Has anybody ever seen seen one of those horse races? Or things where they got a carrot on a stick in front of a horse? It's hanging in front of the horse, and the horse keeps on trying to catch the carrot. But the horse doesn't realize the carrot's moving. It keeps on running, 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 trying to catch the carrot. God's not laying still. God's on the move. God's watching us. And He wants us to grow up. And so every time as a man of God... We finally get corrected and see what it was we were supposed to see. We start doing that. Then God says, good. It's just like when my children were growing up back in Indiana. We had marks on the wall there. And every year we'd have the kids back up against the wall. and We had all these little marks with their names by it. They'd stand there. We'd measure their head. And next year we'd come back. And we'd look, wow, look at that mark. It's down here. This year they grew this much. They grew, they grew, they grew. God wants us to grow up. And today, you'll probably hear something you need to hear today that help you grow a notch. But then, like Abraham, those corresponding actions. When you do it, don't you say, oh, man, that was good. I'll tell you what, what pastor said, he was talking to me. I've been wanting to know that for a long time. Now I see it. Well, I'm glad you see it. Would you leave here and do it. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. Amen. And so... When you're walking with God, you don't have to brag about it. People will see it because God will speak to the hearts, and the God will say, Bernie Samples is my friend. Amen. Say say let's say Robert Valdez, he's my friend. Out there on his job. People look at him and they'll say, Guys, watch what you say around Robert. He's a man of God. And you know what? A real man of God. Myself, when I was a truck driver, those guys' stupid sex jokes and cussing didn't really bother me because I knew that's where I was supposed to be. How could you preach the gospel to sinners if you're not around sinners? In a church service, I hope I'm not going to hear cussing or dirty jokes. If I do, I hope you change before you leave. But on a job, a holy man of God doesn't get offended by those things going on. Because the holy man of God says, good, I'm in the right place. These people need what I got. I'm not going to look at the dirty pictures. I'm not going to listen to their nasty jokes. I'm not going to yell at them because they're cussing. I'm going to be me. And God opens the door, I'll talk to them. And they're going to see because I'm not two-faced. Because I don't play their games. Then when they get in trouble, they come to me because they're going to know I'm different than them. Amen. Is this getting to anybody? You need to see this. We're supposed to stick out like a healed thumb. Somebody said, wait a minute, Pastor. Isn't it sore thumb? No. By his stripes, I was healed. So if my thumb got sore, I would get it healed. And so my thumb's going to stick out because I walk in healing and hell. Somebody said, that's the goofiest thing I ever heard. Well, if you read the Bible, you're going to start thinking different. Romans 12:2 says, Be not conformed to this world, be ye transformed by the root of your mind. And then in Proverbs, it says, The tongue of the wise is health. And so we as Christians have to start thinking more about healing than we do sickness and disease. And the more you think about healing and health, you'll change a lot of things what you believe. You'll change a lot of things what you say. And you know what? You stick out Like a holy man or woman of God around people of the world when all they're talking is doom and gloom, plague, sickness, disease, poverty, lack, destruction, addictions. And all you're talking is Jesus and health and peace and joy and love. You know what? They start saying, I perceive that Susan Valdez is a holy woman of God. I perceive that lady at Home Depot that checks me out with all this stuff going on here, all these people hollering, I perceive that that Desiree is a holy woman of God. There's something different about her. Amen? That's how we've got to live our lives, because we've got to see what Jesus sees then say what Jesus says. And so personally, I don't care whether I win popularity contest or not, as long as God says, Bernie Sapples is my friend. But I'll tell you what, that goes a long ways with me. I want you to look at Genesis chapter 18, verse 19, talking about Abraham. And we'll wind it down here. Genesis chapter 18, verse 19. What did God say about Abraham? Does anybody remember? He said, that's my friend. I want God to say that about me. You want God to say that about you? And so if we want, if we want God to be able to say that about us, then I think Abraham's a good example to see what he did to catch God's attention. Just as chapter 18, I'm going to read verse 17 through 19. God's getting ready at this time to come and judge Sodom and Gomorrah. And so on the way there, it says, verse 1 says that, that three men uh, come to Abraham. Well, actually, a couple of them was angels, one of them was really Jesus. And so the Lord said in verse 17, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, thing which he's about to do, See that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Now look at this. Here's verse 19. Get a hold of this. This is God talking about Abraham, whom he calls his friend. He said, I know him. How many here believe that God knows you? Amen. you watching out there. God knows you. He says that he will command his children. He will command his children. Oh, I don't really care if my children go to church or not. They just do what they want to do. Well, that's why little rebels turn out to be addicts and thugs. You didn't command your children. And by command, we're not talking like dictator command. We're talking about lead. And tell your children what to do. You know, I just want to tell you something about children. I am kind of an authority. We had eight. And we have how many grandchildren, Mom? How many do we have now? We have 17, on the way. We're about to have our 18th grandchild. And so we're a little bit of authority on kids. I've watched parents, not necessarily my children being parents, but lots of parents in the church and others. You know what? I've seen what, to me, what I call high-quality parents do. They don't let the kids eat candy bars, ice cream, potato chips all day long. They command the children, here's what we're going to eat. And if you do right, we'll give you a treat. You're not going to live on treats. You know what that's called? That's called leading. That's called nurturing. That's called guiding them. That's called breaking them up right. So if a good parent is going to teach your children how to have right nutrition and physical health, why shouldn't a good parent then command the children in spiritual health? Why should the parents let children stay up all night on Saturday and play goofy video games or whatever they do, and then Sunday morning they get up and say, Did we have to go to church today? You say, no, we don't have to go to church today. We get to go to church today. It's an honor. It's a privilege. It's, it's, it's something we're blessed with to get to do in life. And that's what God's talking about. God said, Abraham's my friend because he's going to teach his children right. That's a big deal with God. It's a really big deal with God. You know, Proverbs also says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Nations are not just made up of rivers and streams and trees. And wildlife, nations are made up of human beings and people. And the more you get in a nation, people that love Jesus, that go to Sunday school when they're young, and learn how to do right things by Christian leadership, they normally don't turn out to be crooks and robbers, bad things in life. Turn out to be people that lead other people into the things of God, which makes a great nation. Amen? And so this is a big deal with God. We're talking about what is a man of God? A man of God leads his family. His family doesn't lead him. He leads him by example. A man of God learns how to discipline himself. In America, we primarily go to church on Sunday mornings. Other nations do different days. But in America... Because Sunday morning is primary church day. My kids, and even my grandkids I've noticed, but that's probably because what I put into my, into my children, they put it into their children now, they don't call Sunday, Sunday. You know what they say when they're little? They say, Dad, is this church day? They say, hey, Grandpa, is tomorrow church day? Our children are trained that way. And God said, Abraham's my friend, and then he tells you right here, because he will command his children and his household after him, they shall keep the way of the Lord, to do justice and judgment. And therefore the Lord will break him up upon Abraham that which he has spoken unto him. And so I just want to say to you, has God put anything in your hearts for your life? God told Abraham, you're going to have seed; it's going to be so many, many descendants you will never be able to count them. And God said, I'm going to be able to do that through Abraham, because I see Abraham is a family man. And so, with my closing, I want to say this. If you want to be a man after God's own heart, if you want to be God's friend, the man of God that you know you can be, never, 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 never let career Even ministry come before your family. Heard a man of God say one time, said, I've done a lot of funerals for a lot of wealthy people, but I've never seen a Mayflower moving truck follow them to the graveyard to take the stuff with them. So, all that career, all that acclaim, all that temporary riches that will fade, when you die, you don't take it with you. You leave a legacy behind you. And when you get to heaven, your gold watches, your super duper pensions, all those things you accumulated, they don't go to heaven with you. Only you go at the people you influence for Jesus. And so man of God, put Jesus first. Put the career second. And if it's a ministry, don't let the ministry ever become more important than your wife and children. You take care of your family for God, God will take care of you, and you'll see life be all it's supposed to be. And when you get to heaven, Jesus will say, I sure am glad you were my friend a man of God. I'm so grateful you brought your family with you. Amen. Amen. Pastor Dave. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.